today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. We've had all kinds of amazing, miraculous stories from people about huge transformation in their lives. And I love those stories, you know, everything from paying off debt to getting healthy after a lifetime of challenges and so many things. But to me, the thing that makes me so excited is when I hear people talk about the little things. Like, I now wake up 15 minutes earlier and now I'm able to spend more time with my daughter before I go to work. Or um, I, I now am more present in the you know after hours when uh, the kids are home instead of being on my phone. Like things like that may seem insignificant. It may seem like, oh, why do I you know need a goal planner and work on that stuff? You know why? That's life. Like that adds up. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me. Like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. I am so excited today. There aren't very many moments in life that are like Elvis kind of moments, but for me, this is one because today I am talking with Lara Casey from Cultivate What Matters. And as many of you know, she is the creator of Power Sheets. And I credit Power Sheets 100% to being the tool that helped double my business for the first four years. And then for this last fifth year right here, really helped me take it to another level that I'm going to be sharing with you in future episodes. But I am just, I am so excited to have you here today, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Rita, you are already making me blush and are so encouraged. <laughs> you are so kind. This is the honor is truly all mine. I'm so thrilled to get to chat with you. I know. So, you know, what I found really interesting because I got introduced to you from, well, I think I found a, an ad, right, on the on the internet that let me find Power Sheets. And I, I didn't really pay attention much to the company at first. It was just kind of like, okay, this is a cool goal-setting tool. And then as I uh, got emails from you and dug into the company, I was really impressed. I was like, wow, I really, I, I love the way that this company runs. I love all their values. And then I dug into you a little bit and I saw that you were born in Washington, D.C., and you kind of grew up in Pensacola. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We have yeah. some interesting connections, don't we? I know. Because I was born in Pensacola <laughs> and then I grew up in Washington, D.C. I mean, I wish I was at the beach right now. Trust me. I wish I was still down there. But um, yeah. And it's not very often that you meet people from Pensacola no, at all, period. No. In right? fact, so, I used to say that city and people would be like, uh, what country is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, and I'm like, look, it's just on the beach in Florida. It's a different time zone. It might as well not be Florida. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's something else. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> but um, I found that really, I found that really interesting. So I like to ask kind of unusual questions that guests are like, wait, what? What did she just ask me? So what I would love to ask of you to start is, 
What do your parents do? Tell us about your I parents. I love these questions because this is like <laughs> real, real chat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so since you know Pensacola, what I'm about to tell you will make so much sense. Um, and all the love out to all the Pensacola people that might happen to be listening, the one or two people maybe. Uh, so to explain what my mom does, there was this article in the Pensacola News Journal about the Krispy Kreme burger. And do y'all know what this is? This is the hamburger sandwiched between two Krispy Kreme donuts. And my mom is a French chef. She trained at the Cordon Bleu in Paris. She was born and raised in Pensacola. So she is like a small town, grew up in Alabama also. Um, But she went off to cooking school and came back to Pensacola and said, people, we can do this better. So (laughs) she wrote the Pensacola paper um, a letter telling them that she would love to give a cooking column a try to highlight local flavors. So that is the long answer to my mom is a food writer. <laughs> I love that. So she she's also creative, right? Which she is, is great. Very like, creative. You, you're great. You're creative. What about your dad? Is your dad creative? My dad is sort of not really creative at all. He mostly cheers us on, but he is an eye doctor. And so he helps people have clear vision which is also what I proverbially do in my job. So <laughs> you do. I love that. I love that segment. So let you are very creative. I mean, you're very creative in your ideas and how you run your business, but I mean artistically you are also very creative. I think you're you're a very talented artist. Were you creative as a child? Were you just kind of like out of the womb? I'm able to be very artistic. <laughs> that first of all, that's very sweet of you. Um <laughs> I, you know, it's funny, I don't think about it too much because I just do these creative things on a daily basis, but I do try very hard to not take that for granted that my parents were very encouraging of me doing all kinds of creative things growing up. Um, so yes, pretty much out the womb, they were handing yeah. me paints and uh, pencils and it's neat to now have passed a lot of those um, original art materials on to my own daughter, Grace now and my other kids. Uh, but yeah, I, I did a lot of creative stuff growing up, but I think, I think my parents' generation they grew up in a time where you got a you know regular nine to five job and doing creative things was maybe a hobby, right? And people even kind of looked down on those things for the most part. So I think my parents both wanted to be creative in their careers, but didn't have the opportunity to. So they love seeing us as kids uh, use those gifts and talents. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, you know, and and one thing that I really do love is, and we're going to talk about this a little later, but you you have your your children homeschooled, and you know, I read an article. I can't I can't remember where. I can't remember who wrote it, but it said that schools, traditional schools, kind of teach kids nowadays to think in periods, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. facts, and you know, the traditional way is to to kind of, I mean, like the way that kids want to think are in question marks, yeah. and I love how. That's kind of how you run your business. That's how you run your family. That's how, it's like very kind of thinking creatively, thinking with question marks. What's possible? Um, you know, w- what I want to ask though is because it is your job to be creative. I mean, you cr- you create a product that is very creative, and so you have to almost be creative on demand. Uh, and so yes. I'm wondering how how do you find that balance between staying inspired and creative, but you also have deadlines and deliverables and things that you have to do. It's kind of like when a a musician has to record music because a record label needs the music to come out. So how do you stay inspired while still also having that business aspect to your creativity? That is such a good question. 
Uh, there are many answers to it, but I'd say the two most important things are, um, well, there's three. Number one is to know yourself. Like I have to know, I know, you know, I know all my personality quiz answers. I know all that stuff, but I really just, um, I do a lot of introspection just in my job and I love that. And that helps me to know when I need to pull back and say, whoa, I need like a, some space from my work so that I can pour into people in a better way. Uh, number two, listening. Uh, that is how we do all of our best decision-making is listening to our community, listening to each other, listening to the problems that we're going through in life. Like our business is not like selling chicken nuggets, you know, and there's some, a great art to selling chicken nuggets too. But um, our, our business is about helping women to cultivate what matters to them. That's very big, right? That's, that's a huge wide range of things. So if we are not at least to the very best of our ability, trying to do that ourselves, we can't give that back to people and that creativity just really suffers. So um, the, the third thing, which kind of plays into that, is uh, the way I stay creatively inspired, I guess, is because my life is not perfect. Uh, life is just chaotic many times with three kids and homeschool and running a business as everybody has all their things, right? And I think that it is in those moments where I feel like, oh my goodness, I cannot add one more thing to my plate or where I feel like I raise my voice at the kids or I make a mistake in something that I stop and I think to myself, how can I do this better? And not in a guilty way, but just what kind of solution could I come up with to this? Or how can I stay focused on what matters in the big picture? And that's where I then get to turn that around and give it to other people. I love that. See, thinking in question marks all thinking the time. Thinking in question like, marks. I, I, I know. That. I really. It's so great. Right? I love that. Um. And so, you know, a question that I I have for you. You said I'm very introspective with me and, and and my day. And I know that a lot of people want to do that. I hear people in my community all the time saying, "Rita, I want to tap into myself. I want to mm. tap into who I am." How, what do you do to have those moments of of introspection? I, it's so. It's so easy to say, but how do you put that in practice in a tangible way that people could kind of say, oh, I could start doing that? Yeah, I think the act of introspection, most people think about it as, oh, it means I have to have a candle lit and I do this quiet moment to myself where I get really still and I journal and whatever it is. And that might be it for you. For me, it's very different. For me, actually, activity helps me to be introspective. Like, taking a long walk with the kids or uh, hiking. I really got into hiking this last year. And I feel like for me, activity is really the thing that helps my brain to unwind. So my answer is that it, it's different for everybody, but that's what's so fun about life. Like I'm so grateful that we get so many different choices and we get to try different things out. I was just reading an article last night about how, and I don't really love studying celebrities or anything. I just happened on this um, about how Oprah has kept a journal for so many years. And she mentioned something in there that struck me. And I, I do agree with that. She said that um, the act of journaling helps you to notice what's right in front of you and helps you to, you know, basically have more contentment. Um, and so that, that is so true. The act of being introspective is noticing and Whatever that is for you, maybe it is journaling. Maybe it is um, talking it out vocally with a friend to say, hey, here's where I am right now or with a therapist or whatever. Maybe it is painting your thoughts. Maybe it is um, typing out words. There's so many ways that we can get our thoughts out um, to get to know ourselves. And it, it may be that you've actually never done that before, right? I think a lot of us, we've actually never really taken the time to get to know ourselves. 
because yeah, so true. it's I, real scary sometimes. We think, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to like what I see, or I don't know what I would do if I found out that I had this you know, creative gift. Just take it one step at a time, one moment at a time, and I think you're going to love what you find. Oh, I love that. That's so good because that's so true, right? The distractions of the world become an easy way to not have to sit, even volunteer, even things that we think are good. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm going to do that. It's all just a way to stay busy so that we don't have to kind so of sit with ourselves true. and see what comes up. Right? Yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your career trajectory because it's very interesting. Again, another, another, I was in drama. I was in theater. I was tell, I was telly the tooth, the lead tooth in my first, first grade play in Pensacola, in Pensacola. And then we moved, but then we moved. And so they had, I, they had to give it to the, to the understudy. And I was so bitter. I remember moving up here, like my part was taken away. So then I jumped into drama. So I'm very theater oriented, just like you, but you were, you kind of like went to school, you kind of graduated, you were going to do the theater and then you became a personal trainer. And then you went into the wedding industry and you started, um, Southern Weddings Magazine. And then you run this wonderful conference that we're going to talk about called Making Things Happen and Create This Goal, Setting Tool Power Sheets. But the common thread when I look at everything that you've done is you did it all without even knowing really anything about it. You just kind (laughs) of had an idea and then you just started. And so my question to you isn't so much how do you do that? How do you start? But how do you think that that mindset, that kind of dive right in and just like start mindset helps you in your life? But then how does it also hinder you? Because I imagine that kind of works both (laughs) ways, right? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, it hinders me. I'll start there is that it hinders me because I bite off more than I can chew. That's the, I, I, you know, I get started on things. I'm really good at starting things for the most part. And I don't believe that I'm bad at finishing things. I just think that sometimes I, I start something and it, I start it with a grand vision. So that's my, the good side of it is that I do, I think like the Lord has gifted me with having a big picture vision and um, user experience, I feel like is my spiritual gift. Like I, I'm really good at seeing, for instance, a magazine and the way someone would take in those images and those words together from start to finish. Like what's the paper going to feel like the whole nine yards. I love that. And I think that comes from my, like you said, my theater training, I learned about how you take all these elements of lighting, of uh, music, of sound, of words, and you put them together into one full picture, this big picture vision of taking someone's story from one place to a totally different place. So that's the positive side of it. But like I said, the the challenge for me, the opportunity that I have in that is also seeing ahead to how much time is this going to cost me later on? And I have certainly gotten better at this. Praise the Lord. I'm very grateful for how I feel like I've stepped away from doing too much. <laughs> but uh, man, it's tough. That's tough. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I, I I attest to that. It's super hard. So the pivots in your career that I kind of touched on and highlighted, were those intentional? Was it like, okay, I am in theater, but now I am going to transition over to personal training? Or was it more just kind of like I fell into everything that I did? And if it, if you just fell into it, then what was the kind of the thought process around seeing those things through, right? Because if you fall in, it's easy to kind of fall out and fall back into something else. But how did you just kind of say, I don't know how to do this. I just fell into this, but I'm going to now take the steps to really be intentional and be present with this. Yeah. As you said that, I'm trying to piece it together myself. I'm not sure if I've ever formulated this answer before that 
I think that when I was in high school, um, most of my focus was besides academics, it was theater. And we had this very interesting high school class that was full of people that you guys would probably know on the TV. I don't watch very much TV, but we had this very interesting high school class of all these people that were set for stardom. Like you knew, like, I mean, my two houses down next door neighbor, she ended up being Mary Poppins on Broadway and like all these things, you like household names. And all of these people I went to school with, we were in school together, right? Right in that same like two to three year period. So I feel like it was partly that being around these peers who I would not at all classify them in the like cutthroat competitive. It was, they just loved it. Like there was so much joy. And if we found something that we loved to do that we felt like we were good at, we just did it. And so I think it really started from there that there was this culture, this atmosphere of we're young and yet we can do these things that have to do with our gifts, even at a young age. And it was just beautiful to watch. I have chills telling you that. Um, So yeah, moving through to the rest of my career, I will say that some of it was not from positive motivations. Some of it was trying to prove myself. Um, Some of it was feeling insecure and feeling like, um, well, I'm a personal trainer now. I better be the best one. So I can prove to my parents that I didn't fail at uh, college and I didn't waste this college education for them. So there was a lot of that moving through my career up until, uh, you know, several years ago when I uh, decided to start Southern Weddings. That was really the turning point for me in um, my faith, turning point for me in my work. And that's a whole nother story. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, <laughs> that really was the time that I felt like, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. And that's when I started to learn about growing things slowly and uh, more richly. Oh, I love that. And you know, when I think, when I think about you, there's a question that I wrote to, I, I, I this is not my own question. Again, this is one of those things I journaled a long time ago. I don't remember where. But when I saw it, I was like, this is what I think of of you when I mm. see this, which is, what are you willing to give up for a life aligned with principles oh, and kind of so governing, right? I, I thought it was so I thought it was amazing because it's such a powerful question because it really makes you think, what am, what am I willing yeah. to give up? And it's, you know, you, you think you'd read it, oh, I would give up everything. But no, like when you really sit with it, it's very hard to answer that question in a way that doesn't tug at you to but when i when i read that it's kind of like that that's what makes you i think so uniquely you and i'm wonder and i know that that's how you govern power sheets in your business but yeah. was that a conscious choice is that a way you were raised was that an upbringing that you had or is it kind of no connecting the dots looking backwards i notice that this is the way it really has been. it's been about i want to live my life aligned with principles and so what do i want more of and less of what do i want to say yes to or no to and what am i willing to sacrifice for that yeah that's such a great question and you know i didn't grow up with this uh, it was not something that was ingrained in me. I, I have wonderful parents who are super supportive my whole high school, college, and up to now. Like, I love my parents so much. But um, there was definitely, like, a lack of boundaries in my life. <laughs> so pretty much if I wanted to do it, I could do it. And there were very few punishments. And uh, I feel like I had to learn how to do things like uh, have a budget and uh, balance a checkbook, you know, all those real life things kind of hit me in the face when college came around. 
Um, so as far as giving things up, I, I really felt like that was a painful time right after college for me to realize that, okay, I'm on my own. I actually have to do hard things. And I certainly did a ton of hard things growing up. Like it's not an easy thing to do theater in general, but, um, I, I don't think that there was a lot of sacrifice modeled for me. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, I don't mean that in like a deep way in any bad way against my parents at all. They sacrificed a ton for us, but as far as like personal development decisions about what am I going to do that's going to lead me closer to where I want to be in the big picture, that was really from a lot of error. I was about to say trial and error, just a lot of error on my mind. Just a lot of error. Yeah, just just a lot of error. error. Really, truly making all of like all the mistakes. Um, anything I could make, I I made the mistake and I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. It's not the most easy path or the most fun path, but I will say that that is a common thread between people that I meet that are really somewhere in their life. When I say successful, it just means they're somewhere where they're really content and they're really happy right now. And it's, I just made a lot of mistakes. I messed up at about everything I could mess up at. (laughs) So it's not, it's not, not a lot of fun, but I mean, that's the way, right? That's the way. And so it's learning. I think so Don Barton, your friend Don Barton, she was my uh, interview in the last episode. And she said, you know, that's the biggest thing that she could take away for success or leave with people for success is you just have to learn to get back up. You just have to learn how to. Absolutely it. But let's talk. I want to talk about that a little bit, because one of the things that you did is you went out into the world and you were going to be in the theater and you were going to, you know, be in musicals and every girl's dream in high school. Right. You were going to go out. You were (laughs) going to live this life. And then you realized it wasn't for you. And you you went into your agent's office one day and you just quit. And when I hear you tell this story, you're like, so I quit. And I like for the first time, I felt like. I could breathe. But I want to dig into that a little bit because I hear from people all the time, Rita, I want to quit my job. Rita, I don't love this. Rita, this isn't for me. I have a passion. How am I able to go and just and work it? So they want to make this decision to pivot. But the fear to actually do it is pretty paralyzing. So before you went, there there are a couple of stages I want to talk about here. But before you went into your agent's office and quit, what was your what was your mindset around it? I can't imagine it was just like, okay, I'm just going to go do this yeah. now and everything's just going to be fine. Yep. Uh, I am so glad you asked this because I think that the the thing that causes us to pivot without it being completely forced and out of nowhere is always something that draws us back to what truly matters in life. And when I say what matters, that if you just break down that phrase matter is something that takes up space. So what is it that you want to take up space in your life? Because we only have a finite amount of time and space and energy and days that we're given. And so right before that, um, like literally like three weeks before that, my grandfather had passed away. And I remember being in my New York City apartment, looking out over Roosevelt Island where I lived and my mom called and she said, you know, Grandpa Cecil has gone to meet his maker. And um, he was a very faithful man, a very humble man, like no big accomplishments to speak of. He just loved his wife and loved the church and uh, was very proud of of working at JCPenney for so many years. And um, when he passed, we had, of course, as anybody that's gone through a loss or any type of big family event, you have this like little microcosm of a time where you know you go through the funeral process and, and grieving and being together and you face 
eternity. Like you literally talk about it, right? No one just talks about that casually over pizza, but you're in a room with all these people that you've known for a long time and you're facing it. And that is the moment, that's the pivotal moment that makes us change. And I I distinctly remember being in that church, giving part of his eulogy and thinking to myself, whoa, nothing I am doing right now matters to me in the big picture. My life is supposed to go in a different direction. I have no idea what direction that's supposed to go in. All I know is it's not this one. And so that motivated me to go into my agent's office and, um, and make that change. The change was already made. That's the thing. Like we sometimes think that we have to make a change, but many times the change is already made. We just have to walk into it. And that's what I did. I walked in and I walked out and had no idea what I was going to do next, but I knew that I made the right decision. I imagine that the signs were, were were there, but you probably like, in the, in terms of a corporate nine to five, I always say, you know, you kind of start checking out of your job before you actually check out of your job. Yeah, right? Like you yeah. finally, and I imagine that that happened here too. The the love and the passion and the energy that you brought to theater, I would imagine that had kind of dissipated. Uh, to to let you know, yeah, I got it. I got to get out of this way. But then you you did. So you quit. And the part of that story that I think about is, oh, my gosh, she lives in New York City yep. and she quit, she quit yep. theater. And I don't think she has a job. And I don't yep. know how this woman's going to eat. And I don't know what she's going to yeah, do to pay yep. rent. And then I, if this was a movie on, like, Lifetime television, <laughs> I would be super, super worried for you right now. Right? So yeah. what – I mean, that moment of breathing, I imagine that didn't last. <laughs> very long. What was the after effect of that? You know, Rita, you bring up so many great points. I feel like you, you definitely are so good at reading people because that's pretty much identical to what I was feeling at that moment. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't make all the best choices. I'm very grateful for all the mistakes I made when I look back and not just the mistakes, but those types of decisions that I made, I feel like that was motivated by the right things. Uh, but looking back, if it was my daughter, I'd say, you better have a job lined up before you do that. decision. (laughs) Um, so I became a waitress. I waited tables. (laughs) This is so funny. When I tell the story makes me laugh still for two days. I lasted two days in New York city as a waitress until I just couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) People were so mean. (laughs) Oh, um, and then, uh, like, you know, I, I had been, uh, going to this gym and I ended up becoming a personal trainer and I cashed a lot of bonds that I had been given as a baby by grandparents, you know, all these things that probably would be worth millions of dollars by now. But I think I had like, uh, I don't know, five or $600 that, um, I had to my name and had to, of course be, eating a lot of humble pie and ask my parents for help, which they were not very happy about. But I just knew that there were, there had to be something else ahead. And I can't say that it was a happy time for me, but um, boy, I'm so grateful that I went through that hard, hard time to, to shift my direction in a, a completely new trajectory. Yeah, you know, I mean, it really, those moments, those, kind I mean, it's not like rock bottom, but like it maybe it is, right? Like the rock yeah. bottom moment. That's always so eye-opening in the future, right? When you're out of it and you're looking back and you're like, okay, I'm really glad that I went through it. But but I tell people too, you don't have to go through a moment like that in order yeah. to have it. Like, because you know, that's what people who speak and people that that's what you hear. Like I was living here and then I went to here and then I had this and then right, I had right. nothing. And then I got this. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but you could also just kind of have an average every day oh, like, totally. and still have meaningful pivots. So I know there are people out there who are thinking, okay, there's something that I want 
to do and I'm going to have to let go of something in order to be able to do it and it will be a sacrifice. Mm. So what advice would you give to those people? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say do it little by little, everything. Um, and, and even in the, the times where, you know, we were telling parts of my story that seemed like they were um, big leaps into one thing or another, they weren't, they were, they happened little by little too. Like if we were to really go back and replay that entire story, I guarantee you that that seed of change was planted months before it actually happened. So little by little, just keep taking the next best step. See, everybody, I'm not the only one that says it. See, everyone out there, like, I did not give her this this to, to say, but, like, little by little, I think it's so important because, you know, people say social media, have, it's done a lot, you know, distractions or whatever, but I think it makes people feel like people are getting things overnight and they're oh, not. Oh, so right? true. So, yeah. So they think, oh, well, I need to, I've, I've done this for a month. I've done this for three months. Yeah. Why am I, other people have these results in 30 days. Other people have these results. Mm-hmm. I have to do big things and I have to do it all and I have to do it all right now and it's right. like if you could just pause right and yeah. just do it little by little you will have so much more like at an end result wherever that takes you yes. than if you tried to do it all yes. right at once um and i love what you say I, I share this a lot this is one of my favorites i heard it at a making things happen conference which is like look imagine if you just had a baby in 24 hours <laughs> imagine if you were pregnant and you just like mm-hmm. had that baby you know you're not ready no you're not ready for that right so the little by little helps you get ready yeah um, and i, I did and, feel ready once those things happen right it's like you never really feel ready for anything because you just got to do it. Um, but I, I think it's just little by little, step by step. You don't have to make the change overnight. Mm-hmm. Good. So that, that I love, that's the advice. You don't have to make the change overnight. Now, I know that God plays an important role in your life and God is the foundation for your life. And that's what I really admired about you, which is how you lead very openly with your beliefs and your reliance on God in, in all that you do. And I'm not exactly... I, I don't know when or why or how it got so hard for people to feel like they could do that in such an an open way. And I, I mm. said before like in another interview, unfortunately, it kind of is, right? Unfortunately, when you mm-hmm. look at the majority, it is very difficult. But it's what it's what made me think of you for this sh- this show because you once said, if you're following the God of the Bible, then your life will be distinct and you will stand out. So were you always a follower of God? Were you a follower of the Bible? You know, was there a time, if you were, that you got away from it? Did you have to cultivate this belief later in life because it wasn't a belief of yours? So how did you kind of fall into not only trusting in God and having God be the foundation, but then having it really lead, and we're going to get into how, but everything that you do in your life, that trust and reliance and faith. Yes, this is the most important answer I could give you. And that is uh, how is I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I tried to live my way. Like I said, I tried to um, prove my worth, not just to my family, but to myself. Um, I grew up not having any faith cultivated in me. And my parents would say we were Christians, but we never went to church. You know, there was never like a rhythm of prayer, anything, nothing. We just weren't exposed to it. So um, I grew up really feeling like I had to perform in life in order to have value and to be the best. And um, and again, I'm very loving parents, uh, but that foundation of faith just was not there. So I had to clamor and fall down a million times and like scamper around to try to find any little bit of um, 
real hope and real faith when I um, started to experience very difficult things like in college, going through an eating disorder. Um, it's something that I never, ever thought at the time. I mean, it lasted years and I just thought I'm never going to recover from this. I'm going to be um, stuck in this constant anxiety and mindset for the rest of my life. And that is where I started to really seek God for the first time. And when I say seek God, I mean like practically open a Bible and say, what does God actually say about me? I don't even know what, what book, how you pronounce this book. I have no idea how to pronounce Malachi. I mean, I was starting from ground zero. And so I remember um, back then there was no Amazon, of course, and you couldn't order books online really. So I had to try to find a bookstore that had like a teen version of the Bible (laughs) when I was in college. I was like, I just need the 101 version of this. And so I would read little devotionals in that. Um, And then uh, I had some friends that invited me to church in college. And that was probably one of the best experiences for me to see other people really living it out. And they went through a lot of hard stuff too. but I could see that they had peace about it. And I wanted that same peace. Now to answer your question, did I ever fall away from this? Yes. Like so many times until when Ari and I um, had gone through this difficult portion of our marriage, like the first few years of our marriage were really hard. I mean, when I say really hard, meaning like near divorce, really hard. Um, and we got to this point where we both thought to ourselves, we are clearly not going anywhere. Like neither one of us is getting a divorce from the other one. So how are we going to work this out? I had thrown myself into trying to find God again. I was just desperate. And we both decided that we were going to do something for the other person. We thought, okay, I'll do something for you to like, try to bridge the gap here. You do something for me. And he wanted me to hang out with his friends, which I did. And then I wanted him to come to church with me. (laughs) He did not believe in God or anything. So long story short, um, and this is a very long story short, is um, we did end up growing a faith together, but it it started um, with little by little, uh, seeking God together, having arguments about faith constantly, going to church, having arguments about faith again, And then there was a moment where both of us were confronted with the fact that, okay, actually everything that this book says is true and we believe it and we want it. And we knew that in order to have it, we didn't have to do anything, but we knew that God wanted us to lay down all of our, and I'm going to use a church word for a half second, but like all of our, our sin, meaning all the stuff that we had done in the past, like things that we felt like we would just take to the grave with us. No, we had to, say those things out loud to each other and say like, look, this is who I was before. And this is this thing that I held from you and be bare before each other and before God. And that was the moment where I knew what grace actually was. Like it was some like heady thing that I heard about a lot from other people and like sang (laughs) in songs and stuff. But when you Mm -hmm. lay all your junk out on the table and the other person looks back at you and does not flinch and says, here's my stuff. And we both realize, oh my gosh, we're sitting here and we're looking in the mirror at all of the junk we did and God still loves us. That's when I, I had it. That's what I was just like. You were in. This is it. You were in. I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, and so everybody there, there, I'm not going into a lot of Laura's story because she's got 
Laura's got two books out there. One, the one though that really goes into this is your first book, right? Making right. is that the making things yep, happen. Yeah, make it happen. Book? You got okay. it. Okay, make it happen. Make it happen. So look for those books because yep. there, there's so much good stuff in there. I just don't have enough time. It'll be five inter- <laughs> five episodes of me and Laura talking to each other. So, but what the reason I ask you about your faith too is yeah. you actually run your business from a faith-based place too. Now, it's not Correct. a religious business in that the products aren't all, you know, a certain religion, or but you run your business from that value. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, how have you found the reaction from the business community kind of at large to that decision when you're when you're when you're telling them and you're doing things and you're in meetings and you're how has that reaction in general been? You know, it's funny. I don't think there's been a reaction because I didn't okay. just like come out and say, I'm going to run my business as a Christian now. Um, I think it was the fifth anniversary issue of Southern Weddings was the first issue that really reflected the heart of how our marriage had changed. And I, you know, I didn't write overtly about faith in that issue or anything, but we did have a theme for that issue. And the theme was love never fails. Obviously that's a Bible verse too. Um, but we, we knew that it wasn't that our love never fails. We knew internally that it was God's love that never fails. And so that issue was a huge turning point for our business. That's when the business really started to grow because we started to do things from the heart of helping um, couples to cultivate meaningful beginnings to married life and to really reflect what it means to have an imperfect relationship and still have a great relationship and create a legacy. So I think it's grown from there, but I'd say in the last three years, um, we've really started to do um, business as ministry. Um, I'm a part of a group called C12, which I meet with every month. And I've been doing that for two years now. And that's been like getting my unofficial business MBA. Um, we go through a very rigorous curriculum together and it's all focused on doing business as ministry and doing business the way God wants us to, and to be excellent in all that we do. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure there's been a reaction if there has, I just don't even pay attention to it, but you haven't paid attention. No. And you've also surrounded yourself with people with similar, mm-hmm. that, right? Kind of, it seems like, along your journey. Um, one one thing I do want to hop over, I'm going to uh, hop to this real quick. I was going to ask this a little later. But so t- C12 is like hashtag goals for me to, <laughs> to be in. But to, to be in it, you have to at least be a $1 million business. Right. And so a question that I had for you, right? First of all, you're a, a woman who has built a successful business that is in the seven figure and beyond mark. And that in itself is a very narrow category of people and it narrower than it, it should be. But there are all these skewed expectations, right, about what it's like. Mm. It, so people are always like, I want to make seven figures. I want to hit the seven figure mark in my business. That's my, that's where I want to be. But there's, I think there's skewed expectations around like, or like thoughts around this yes. is what I expect it to be like when I make a million dollars. I'm like, this is what it's actually like yeah. when I make a million dollars. And what made me want to ask you that is, as you know, I read a lot of articles about you and everything, but you, you know, you've said, okay, like I, um, you know, I still cook dinner for my family. I still start work at night and I still end at mm-hmm. six. And I'm like, that is a story that needs to be told to people who are wanting to make seven figures. So mm-hmm. what is like the the expectation of it versus the the reality of being that at that level of success in, in your business? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question, Rita, because I feel like it just gets under my skin when I see people talking about make seven figures and do it overnight and First of all, it does not matter. Like it really doesn't matter. I will also say that being a multi-million dollar business does not mean that that goes in my yeah. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
we have expenses here. And granted, we are a profitable business and we, we are a growing business and we are a debt free business all by God's grace. But, um, but I just have to say that too, like it sounds good. And that's why I love the way you pose this question. It sounds good, but I believe that to, you know, the verse that says to whom much has been entrusted, much is expected. And that is what happens no matter what amount of money you make. You could have a hundred dollars in your bank account. God wants you to do well with that just as you would if you've got, it doesn't matter how many figures you have in your bank account. Um, I will say that the expect the difference is for me is that um, our business didn't grow overnight. Like I've been in business for almost 15 years and um I do believe, and I've seen this in so many of my college friends' lives too, you can be successful at anything if you persist in it, period. Like I have college friends who were not the ones we thought were going to come out the gate and be on Broadway and have super successful careers. And guess what? They persisted over the course of almost 15 years and they are the ones that are in the spotlight now because they just pushed through. And it was not the ones that had like stars in their eyes when we graduated that actually did make their mark. So I say all that to say that it might sound great to have seven figures. Can I just ask yeah. why? Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, why? Right. And then it is a lot about, um, you know, it, 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 you also prioritize your family. Right. And I think that that helps. Right. So you are still cooking dinner. Your, yeah. your family is number one for you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And that helps, yeah, I think, when definitely. you're choosing how you spend yeah. your time and what you want to do. So, if, you know, it looks very different for everybody, but I'm so glad that you talked about that, you know, the reality. I just don't think a lot of people are talking about the reality is, you know. No. And and it's not like I do it by myself either. I have a team of you know, nine, almost 10 women now who work alongside me. And that has taken a long time to cultivate a culture um, that is high performance. I mean, we're a really small business that does a lot on a daily basis. And these are no small feats that we do. And we do it through a lot of other things too. We use um, entrepreneurial operating system as our business model. We use the traction model. It's a great book um, by Gino Wickman. And there's another co-author that escapes my brain at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously I've had the C12 curriculum that's been ingrained in us. That's really helped us to build solid foundations. We have a fractional CFO that helps us with finance stuff. So all this to say the way that I can um, prioritize uh, family and not work, you know, late hours and not do crazy things is because I'm, I, not I, but our team, we are training other people and other partners to do these things alongside us. And I'll also say too, that we certainly could have grown our business a lot more than it is right now. And we do not have any desire to. Yeah. Um, to us, the the culture of our lives is so much more important than the numbers in our bank account. Like, it's meaningless when you get to that point where you're just chasing a dollar sign. For us, the most important thing is the profit of people. And if we're making enough money to bless others, to bless our teammates, and to do a solid business, then that's the number we should go oh, for. So good. And let's talk about so the main one of the main products of your company, Cultivate What Matters, is Power Sheets, which I you know again love. But um, it, it comes the twenty twenty Power Sheets Goal Setting Planner and Intentional yes. Goal Setting Planner. Right, comes out tomorrow. By the time everybody's Ooh. hearing this, so of course my community, you guys are going to get tons of information about this. You've already started hearing about it from me. But this tool 
you created in a way to kind of help people have these lives that that you've cultivated for for your own self, the way you've mm-hmm. come about, you know, living the way that we've talked about today and running your business and being intentional and profit of people and tapping into what matters most. And so one question I want to ask guys, there are going to be note links in the show notes to power sheets and I'll talk there are videos in my community and we're going to talk about the actual technical pieces of power sheets a lot. So what I want to ask you, Lara, is what's one thing that power sheets has done for someone that you could have never expected? Hmm. I think it has, uh, it's going to sound like a, s- a strange answer. I mean, we've had all kinds of amazing, miraculous stories from people about huge transformation in their lives. And I love those stories, you know, everything from paying off debt to getting healthy after a lifetime of challenges and so many things. But to me, the thing that makes me so excited is when I hear people talk about the little things. Like I now wake up 15 minutes earlier and now I'm able to spend more time with my daughter before I go to work. Or um, I, I now am more present in the, you know, after hours when uh, the kids are home instead of being on my phone. Like things like that may seem insignificant. It may seem like, oh, why do I, you know, need a goal planner to work on that stuff? You know why? That's life. Like that adds up. That adds up to, I I just don't even have words for it. Those are the things that are important to me. Um, The things that, those little moments that add up to the big picture, because it's all about cultivating the hearts of the people that are right in front of us. So I think that's the most exciting thing that I I couldn't have expected. It's that daily impact, right? Just a change in someone's yeah. actual daily lives. Now, I'm going to ask you the last kind of substantive question, and then I have just a few bullet point rapid fire kind of questions, right? But um, so I want you to kind of talk about Power Sheets to be, I mean, people hear me, but what are you most excited about? Because 2020, you've revamped Power Sheets uh, a bit. So tell everybody, what are you most excited about when it comes to, I mean, this is a new decade, y'all, that y'all, everybody's <laughs> going to start planning in, right? Like 2020, we're about to end a so decade. Cool. So what are you most excited about launching the new decade with the new Power Sheets? Mm, I think I'm most excited about how um, streamlined our processes this year. Um, You know, all this year on my podcast, we've been talking about how to number your days and how to make the most of this life that we've been given. And when I say make the most, obviously it doesn't mean to do more and be more and be the best, um, but how to really just honor the things we've been given and, and live this life like it's the only one we've got. And so all of those things and those conversations, those stories that have been shared with me, all of that has been integrated into the power sheets this year. And so I feel like, I mean, I have chills telling you this, Rita, I just, um, I've been praying over every set of the power sheets for the last few weeks and just really excited for women to have a mind shift, like shifting from the narrow focus of our daily to-do list to the big picture of what actually matters in this life. And when you have that in mind, your life can change a whole lot on that to-do list. Um, it starts to eliminate things that just really don't matter. So I'm most excited about that. Oh, I, I'm excited about that. Uh, also, I know that, that, you know, so you are very great at kind of teasing out <laughs> your new product line and keeping people very... I'm really bad at it, you mean. I'm really bad at <laughs> well, keeping yes. secrets. People <laughs> keeping secrets, right? So there are a lot of secrets, right? But you did un- uh, uh, unveil the new covers for yes. the new power sheet. So one of my questions is, what's your favorite power sheet cover for 2020? <laughs> I, I actually, after last week, I was telling everybody on all the Instagrams about 
um, all the new covers. And I started to have like a little conflict in my mind. I was like, I thought I was going to go for blooms and now I kind of like all of them. Um, but I think the blooms cover is definitely my favorite. It's, it reminds me of my own garden and it just feels like the evolution of where we've been. We've had this, um, seed pattern, little like confetti seeds for a while now. And that has just grown and blossomed into this new pattern. So I just love it so much. Yeah. And guys, uh, we're going to put, again, links to everything in the show notes, uh, Lara's podcast, all of her books, uh, power sheets, right? The tools that she mentioned that she's used. But real quickly, so these are my rapid fire questions, meaning don't overthink this, don't overanalyze it, just say whatever <laughs> comes out, right? Like really quickly. But um, I'm ready. I'm ready. So what is one thing that people misunderstand about you? That I am not a highly caffeinated achiever person. I am Very, not. <laughs> that is, yeah, I could see how people would misunderstand. I could see how, I could see that. What is something that makes you just feel like your best and highest self? Uh, quiet. Uh, solitude. Mm, so, so so hard to find, but so important. That's why I get up at yeah. 5 a.m. and set out that people right. in front of me. That's my quiet. That's time, right. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, what podcasts are on your podcast playlist? You know, I'm a weirdo. Uh, I do not listen to podcasts. I listen to <laughs> you and Dawn. You and Dawn can get together and not listen yeah. to podcasts together all day. <laughs> I know. I, you know what it is? I I feel like solitude is something that's so hard to come by that when I do have a moment, uh, and my my days and my life are so full in a good way of um, all the things that matter to me that I usually either just want silence or I just want to talk to my kids or my husband. Mm. So, so that, um, again, it's about knowing yeah. what matters most to you, right? And kind of prioritizing yeah. those things. Yep. What, um, what books are on your nightstand? I know you do read books. Mm -hmm. So what, what okay, books are so on your nightstand? So right this moment on my nightstand is a book called, oh, why am I forgetting the name? It's called, uh, it's a, I can't remember the title off the top okay. of my head, but it's a book about sensory processing disorder because one of our kids has sensory processing disorder. So I've been reading that to help her. And also um, Rhythms of Renewal, Rebecca Lyons' new book. Just really enjoying that. It's got some great chapters on Sabbath in it. And of course, my Bible. Nice. Um, and then what is a favorite motto that's kind of just governing you, maybe governing your life, but a motto that comes to your head when I say, what is your life motto? If you're not excited about it, no one's going to be excited about it. So it has to be genuine. <laughs> That's like my favorite. That's my favorite ever. I totally 100. I co-sign on that. I totally believe it. And I am very excited that I got to talk to you today. So thank you Aww. so much for joining me. There were so many questions. So hopefully you're going to come back because I have a, a whole list yes. of questions, the questions I didn't get to ask you, but I wanted this to really be a good overview to my audience of just why mm. I talk about you so much, why I love this company, why I love power sheets and um and I would love for you to come back and talk a little more business with us sometime. I in the would future. love to. I was gonna say we need to have a part two because yes. you're They're, the best, Rita. Thank you're you. The best. I know <laughs> you, all the people the that are listening know that you're the best already, but I'm gonna co-sign on that. But, uh you really are, Rita. I just love you very much. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in December. So everyone, yes. I'm also going to one of their new events, uh, Cultivate What Matters, is having a Cultivate Your Year Live, where we're going to be filling out power sheets real time, in person, a whole room full of high achieving, like really wonderful, connected uh, women who are lifting each other up. And I'm so excited to be a table lead for that and be a part of that. And so I know there's a wait list at this point. I'm going to put a link to that just in case you never know if a spot opens up. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you in December. I can't wait. All right. Take care. And everyone, I will talk to you next week on another episode of Rita Mimi Do It. Next time on the Rita Mimi Do It show. So tell me something. 
Does this sound like you? You create something that you love and you do know that others are just gonna love it too. And so you get to work mapping out this wonderful marketing strategy. You get really detailed, you create the most beautiful graphics, you even write some killer copy. And then launch day arrives and you announce your offering with such excitement to everyone that you know. And then you watch the cart and you watch and you watch and you watch and you think, that's okay. I'm just gonna try this other thing. I'm just gonna talk about it in this other place. And then a sale comes in and yes, <laughs> you think it is all finally happening, but then it doesn't. And so you try this and then you hop over here and you try that. But no matter what you do, you just aren't moving the needle forward anymore. So you devote more hours and you map out more strategy so that you can get more visible, you know, casting a wider net. But even with that wide net, nothing. And then you start worrying. Have you ever been there before? Thinking, I, I don't know if this is gonna sell. Maybe, maybe no one's gonna buy it. Oh my gosh, maybe I'm not gonna make any money off of the thing that I've just spent so much time on. But really, making money isn't an option for you. So then you get to work doing even more. But the excitement that you had at the beginning of all of this, huh, that's gone. And so now you kind of dread each action that you have to take. And you feel constantly frustrated by the lack of results and you're definitely tired, you're anxious, you're resentful, and you're a little bit afraid until eventually you decide, well, this is, I just have to stop this. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop it. Shut it all down, right? Because you're like, I guess maybe this wasn't the offer. Maybe it wasn't the right program or the right service or, you know what? Maybe I just have the wrong audience. I need to find better people. I need to find people who are ready to buy. So then you get to work again on another offering or trying to attract a different audience only to find yourself in the same exact situation all over again. Well, I'm here today to tell you that it's not your program. It's not your service. It's not your product. It's definitely not your audience. If your program or your service or your product isn't selling, chances are it's because of this one thing. So I hope that you have confetti on hand or that you have a glass of your favorite champagne or a noisemaker because by the time we get to the end of this episode, you're gonna be celebrating instead of crying on your toilet. Or maybe that was just me, yeah. Pretty sure it was just me. But I'm gonna tell you that story and how you can avoid that today. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all-in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamamedoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.